Welcome back to the Everything That Came Before Grace podcast. I'm Bill C. Benjamin and Anna have been emailing for about three months now, but he still hasn't told Cassandra about it. So, in this chapter, what I'm trying to do here is sit Benjamin down and have him try to justify the emotional infidelity going on with Anna. Cassandra asks if any lines have been crossed, and he tells her no. Then she asks if something could happen, and he says, oh, God, yes. But he says he's not going to let her blow her life up. She asks him, but what about what's best for you? And he brushes it aside and says he doesn't know how to do that. He leaves feeling down and questioning himself, but on the way home, he hears a great new song, Magnolia by Gang of Youths, and he feels the magic of music lift him back up, and he makes a list of all the things that make life worth living. So let's take a listen. It's chapter 31, Coming Clean. Chapter 31, Coming Clean, Spring 2014 I'm listening to Red Eyes off the brand new War on Drugs record as I roll along Venice Boulevard through typically slow-moving westbound morning traffic. It sounds like an indie dire straits, good driving music. I still haven't told Cassandra I peeked at Sophia's diary or that Anna and I have been carrying on in secret the last couple of months. I'm sorry I'm late, Cassandra says, looking flustered. Traffic was insane. Traffic in L.A.? Impossible, I crack, taking my usual seat next to the window. She puts her purse under her desk, then places some Tupperware on a shelf behind her. It looks like leftover pasta. Pesto, not red sauce on it. She peeks at her computer, taps at her keyboard for a minute, then turns toward me. So, she says, exhaling. How are things? Is it any better with Sophia? I watch her tug at her sleeve as I think about what I want to say. I let out a sigh and say, she's doing great in school and all, but it's like we're roommates now. What do you mean, she asks. I've tried giving her space. I've tried pushing her. I don't know what to do anymore. I mean, I get it. I lost your trust and respect, but it's been well over a year. I can't believe this is what it is and there's nothing I can do about it. She's testing you, Benjamin, she says. She keeps pushing boundaries because you keep moving the line. Don't give in. Get back to who you were, fair but firm. I guess I've been so busy punishing myself, I say, trailing off. You need to remember whether they realize it or not. Kids crave defined rules and clear boundaries, she says. If you leave a void, they start spinning. Think about your own childhood. Isn't that what happened to you? I start bouncing my leg and the counting starts. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 
I'm trying to decide which of the two things I've been hiding I'll confess first. So, um, I did a bad thing, I began. I read Sophia's journal. I know I shouldn't have, but I just had to know what was going on in her head. Some of it was pretty intimate. Like, she asks. Like her feelings about boys. I guess she really likes this one guy, but she was going on about how awkward and out of her depth she was, which was so bizarre because I see her as such a confident and beautiful young lady. I guess I'm out of touch. Was that all you saw, she asked. No, I saw some stuff about how disappointed she is in me. She's annoyed I keep asking her if we can go back to the way it was, which she says isn't going to happen. Kind of crushing. I guess if you poke your nose where it shouldn't, she says, you're going to see some things you may not like. I nod and move on to my second confession. Listen, there's something else I haven't been telling you. For the last couple months or so, Anna and I have been emailing behind Keith's back. Okay, she says, pondering that for a minute. Let's unpack this. I'm curious about the impetus of this. Just out of the blue, I say. Anna emailed me. She said she missed me and wanted me in her life. Thought writing was a safe alternative. Have any lines been crossed, she asks. Mm, depends on how you classify emotional infidelity. Isn't that what they call it? But physically, no. Is that something you think could happen, she asks. Oh, God, yes, I say matter of fact. And how are you justifying going behind Keith's back? I guess a part of me is still pissed at him. So you're getting back at him, she says. No, I just... I pause. I just don't feel any allegiance to our friendship anymore. He sure as hell didn't when I needed him. Have you and Anna talked about seeing each other, she asks. She just asked me if I wanted to meet up. She said a lot of things. I mean, we both have. Which is why I knew I had to start sharing what was going on with you. Such as, she asks. Mm, well, nothing's changed. We still love each other. I say, letting out a sigh. It's like this tragic comedy. Trying to be there for each other as friends, but both knowing how we really feel. So, are you going to meet up, she asks. I told her that's probably not a good idea, I say. Other than the obvious, why is that, she asks. No other reason, I say, looking at her. So where is this going, she asks. We don't want to lose each other, I say. We already know what that feels like a couple times now. But is it really a good idea to continue on like this, she says. <sighs> I mean, I do care how this affects Anna. I'm trying to do the right thing, at least the right thing for her. What do you mean, she says. I mean, as bad as I want her, I'm not going to let her blow her life up. What about what's best for you, she asks. I don't know how to do that. I never did. I pause to look at her reaction, but she's not showing me anything. Well, let's switch gears, she says. I wanted to ask you how the meds were going. Well, I'm still here, right? I just miss feeling more. It's like my passion is being squashed. How long do I have to take this shit? 
That all depends, she says. You mean on whether I feel like I'm going to off myself? Well, you won't be honest with me about that, she says. Well, do you really think I do that to Sophia, I say? I've told you before, Benjamin. There are forces inside the mind that are greater than one's will. I glance over the bookshelf to the left of Cassandra's desk. I start reading the book spines, staring at me. The psychology of persuasion, the undiscovered self, the happiness hypotheses. Benjamin, she says. I turn back towards her. Well, don't worry, I say, tightening my jaw. I'm not going to, you know, do anything. I've got this. On my drive back to work, I'm listening to this new song I like called Magnolia by a gang of youths. It gives me that same everything-seems-possible feeling I had when I first heard The Clash, U2, and R.E.M. It's like magic, the healing power of music. When I left Cassandra's, I wasn't sure I wanted to live. Now I feel omnipotent. I roll along Wilshire past the tar pits and I start thinking of all the things that make life worth living. Sophia's laugh. The end of once when the guy gives the girl the piano. The mystery of whatever Bill Murray whispers in Scarlett Johansson's ear at the end of Lost in Translation. Henry Fonda's I'll Be There speech in Grapes of Wrath. Pete Townsend windmilling through the whole last verse of See Me, Feel Me at Woodstock. The anguish of Humphrey Bogart's Of All the Gin Joint speech in Casablanca. That first moment walking into Dodger Stadium in midsummer. Driving up the coast on a rainy day. The chicken shawarma at Al Wazir. Richard Manuel's heartbreaking voice on Tears of Rage. The YouTube clip of Patti Smith doing You Light Up My Life on Kids Are People Too. The Saltado de Mariscos at Mario's Peruvian and Seafood. The Ramones It's Alive record from New Year's Eve, London, 1977. Bowie's background vocals at the end of Satellite of Love. The Swan Silvertone's live version of How I Got Over. Chuck D. singing Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me in Fight the Power. The banana cream pie at the apple pan. George Jones's voice on the last verse of The Grand Tour. Betty Davis putting on an acting clinic in All About Eve. Eminem and the Roots doing Lose Yourself at the 2003 Grammys. The view of the city from Mulholland Drive at night. Paul Westerberg singing, I'm so, I'm so unsatisfied. Bob Dylan's stoned-out harmonica playing on Mr. Tambourine Man on Live 1966. Johnny Marr's intro to The Smiths' How Soon Is Now. Catcher in the Rye for showing me how to write. On the Road for showing me how to live. To Kill a Mockingbird for showing me how to be a father. And Anna's Truth Serum Eyes. I've got to keep walking towards the light. I've just got to.